Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Edwin. Having a good day today? So far, so good. Getting lots and lots done? I hope so. You ready to preach this Sunday? I'm sure I will be. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about Psalm 44. However, we're not going to read the whole thing today. We did that yesterday. So for everyone who's listening, if you want to hear the whole psalm, go back and listen to yesterday's yeah, podcast. Listen to the last episode. Let's just read the second segment today, verses 9 through 16. The first segment was wonderful and beautiful. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah, let's let's read this next segment. So when we were reading verses 1 through 8, that's where the psalmist was recalling the great deeds of God and delivering the promised land to the Israelites and working on their behalf to drive all of the wicked Canaanite peoples away. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. And then we get to verse number 9 from the New King James Version. But you have cast us off and put us to shame, and you do not go out with our armies. You make us turn back from the enemy, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You have given us up like sheep intended for food and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for next to nothing and are not enriched by selling them. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to those all around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a shaking of the head among the peoples. My dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me. Because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the enemy and the avenger. Wow. That is quite the turn from the first eight verses. The first eight verses was all about God's grace and the faithfulness and... And now he says, you, 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 there's this indictment of God and that God is working against the psalmist or working against his people. Here's how you used to treat us, but here's how you're treating us now. Yeah. And it is not the same. It is not the same. It is not the same. We heard the message, we followed, we obeyed, and now you are not treating us the same way. You, you delivered them. You scattered the nations for them. You planted them, but us, you have scattered among the nations. So it's a reversal. There is a reversal there. Um, those first eight verses are couched in verse one. We've heard that from with our ears, from our fathers. We know that God has worked this way in the past. So as part of the issue here that God's uh, not working with this current generation then in the way he worked with the fathers. That that seems to be what the psalmist is saying. God, there's, there's been a change. Some kind of battle has occurred. They've gone out and faced a foreign army, and rather than defeating the foreign army, the foreign army defeated them. The foreign army received spoil. The Israelites turned their back on their foes. This is kind of shocking. When you go back to—not kind of, it's super shocking. That was a bit of an understatement. But I go back to Joshua. You know, there mm -hmm. was a time when Israel was defeated in Joshua's day. And Joshua goes and pours his heart out before God. And he says, oh, I can't believe this. Why would you do this? Why have you let us turn our back on yeah. our foes? And, and God basically says, get up. Get up. Obviously, <laughs> there's sin. Yeah. Obviously, there's sin. So these folks who know the stories of the conquest, they know that story. Yeah. yeah. They know what happens when there is sin in the camp. And so they understand if we had turned from God, mm -hmm. this would make sense. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the sections where they just declare how they've been living later. But the claim is we have been faithful to the command. This shouldn't 
have happened. But here we are. But Michael, here we are. What, what, what is being described is is the reversal that now Israel is acting like those Canaanite enemies of old. They are the ones who are fleeing, right? They are the ones being driven out. Yeah, so, so let me modify that. They're not acting like the Canaanites. They were acting the way they're supposed to. God is now treating them the way he treated the Canaanites. Okay. okay. Rather than the Canaanites being driven away, mm-hmm. Israel is being driven mm-hmm. away. Rather than the Canaanites being scattered, Israel is being scattered. And look, there, as much as I want to kind of pull out of this and, and modify it and soften it, it is just over and over again, you have rejected us. You have made us turn back. You have made us like sheep for the slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. This this accusation in verse 12, you've sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You didn't even get much out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, boy, it'd be one thing if you were getting some great benefit and some great blessing and some great price, but nope, you sold us for a penny. Mm-hmm. You you have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword. And then now in verses 15 and 16, we have the psalmist or possibly representing the king himself. All day long, my disgrace is before me and shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter or viler at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. And that's a really powerful one because the last time we see enemy and avenger together is back in Psalm 8, verses 1 and 2, hmm. where it says that God... Uh, allows strength to come forth from babies in order to still the enemy and avenger. And now we've got an entire army going out against another army, and God is not stilling the enemy and the avenger. He's letting the enemy and the avenger be a taunter and a reviler, and therefore God's people as well as God's king is disgraced and has to cover the face with shame. And this is what blows my mind. I mean, I'm almost, this is one of those Psalms where I'm almost afraid to read it. It's kind of like I want to read it, and then I want to scoot over uh-huh. so that when lightning strikes where I'm sitting right now, I'm not there. <laughs> because this is almost frightening the way they bring this to God. You've done this, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of scary to me. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're speechless. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, um, wh- wh- where do you go with that? So I, I'm I'm always tempted to read these psalms, and, and we've tried to set them in different hysterical. 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 <laughs> this one is not one of the hysterical ones. We have tried to set them in a historical setting. We've tried to figure out, well, what kind, you know, could have been going on when a psalmist wrote that, wrote this or wrote that. I think the challenge to me about this psalm, and particularly this section today, is that so often when you're reading through Joshua and you're reading through Judges or the Kings, whatever setting you want to give it, there seems to be a, a, a kind of a logic, a kind of a, a pattern that's observable. That is that Israel has gone after the Baals. Israel has forsaken God in some way because Israel violated covenant. God would even use those nations as a scourge and as a way to humble them and and to bring them back in the fold. Um, What would it have been like to be, um, you know, Joe Israelite during those days and and suffering through those things? Maybe you'd be saying things along this line, crying out, not not fully understanding um, because of, you know, the activities of others or activities of the king. And so you're just at a loss. God, why are you doing this? Why are you acting this way now? This is not the way it ought to be. Um, and as we're going to go on and see this fellow, I mean, it's, it's further than, I don't know what's going on. He will profess his innocence. 
He will not only profess his innocence, he professes the nation's innocence. Mm-hmm. He says that it's not that we have done this. That's I know that to me is what makes this psalm most difficult to understand. It's hard for me to find a time in Israel's history, or Judah's even, yeah. where somebody could actually even make this claim with a straight face. <laughs> yeah. Where, where some could actually say, yeah, we have been faithful. Unless, of course, we take it. And one of the interesting things about this psalm is it goes back and forth between the plural and the singular. There seems to be some back and forth between a voice that's that that seems to be representing the voice of the king okay. or the leader versus the voice of the people. And so maybe there's this idea of a king who is faithful, who has been leading faithfully, but even the people haven't been. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Or I, I, I don't know. I, OK, let me say this. I do know there's the possibility that as we've looked at poems, there's hyperbole, yeah. there's exaggeration, yeah. there's uh, taking declaring things in extreme ways, even though the extreme position is not true. I mean, is there ever a point in Israel's history where nobody has broken the covenant? Well, of course not. In other words, if I— have, That would be sinless, perfect people, right? And that's only Jesus Christ. So if I wanted to be a stickler, I could say, wow, this never happened. There was always somebody who was unfaithful. You always—the nation always deserved this, and they should have just kept quiet about it and moved on. Except for here's this psalm. Right. That's what blows my mind. It's hard for me to put it in a particular setting, though there's a couple that might fit. Yeah. When Assyria is coming up against Judah while Hezekiah is king and Hezekiah is mostly faithful. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's some there's a quite a bit of defeat before there's finally victory. Maybe yeah. it's during that time of defeat. Yeah. Um, you know, then there's the time with the battle against Pharaoh Necho. I believe that was that Jehoash. Um, and he had been a faithful king. Yeah. But yeah. he ends up being defeated. And a son of Korah might write a psalm at this time about that. What's going on? Now, if it was written in that time, we'd understand. Well, this king went out. Yes, he's faithful to the Lord, but he stepped out of bounds on this one. We mm-hmm. might say that. The problem is it is super hard for us to figure out any of those times where this could apply. Well, and just to make it even murkier, as I'm reading through it, I compared to our reading today in verse 13, you make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision. You make us a byword among the nations. Okay, God, you're doing this. God, you're doing this. When he cries out to God to fix this, verse 23, awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever. So is he actively doing these things? Or, or, or is he feeling forsaken right now? You, you see the difference? Is God the one turning the screw and bringing this punishment to them? Or is God just, you know, hands off and, and he's calling God to get involved? Yes. <laughs> well, haven't we seen throughout the Psalms multiple times, even when we talked about when we knew God was the one doing the judgment, the judgment itself actually was not God turning the screw, but God pulling his hands back. And no, saying, I, yeah, the others then then others did it. Then the Canaanite nations acted. He's removed his hedge of protection. Yeah. So sometimes even when we know this is actually God's, quote, active, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing the I know we don't have video so they Not can't yet. see it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm doing the quotes here. We've got we've got God actively judging, but the way it actually is played out is he removes his protection. And that's it. It's not mm-hmm. him striking them down. It's him saying, OK. If you want to go after those other gods, we'll see what happens next. And he mm-hmm. lets them deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's his action. And so to try to make a distinction here, well, it's not that God's actively doing this. He's just pulled back his hands. Okay. <laughs> 
Other times we saw that as just straight up judgment. Okay. So I think here, here's what I come down to. Mm-hmm. And we, we can talk back and forth on this and try to figure out when does a setting like this actually work. And by the time we're done, I'm just going to be surprised this psalm is here. Yeah. And, and I think maybe that's what we're supposed to learn. Why is a psalm like this here? Because sometimes this is how I feel. Sometimes things like this happen. Sometimes things like this happen. Sometimes this is the way it feels. Sometimes this is when you're walking with the Lord. Sometimes this is what it feels and and what it feels like. And what does God do? He -hmm. allows us to bring it to him. Mm -hmm. He allows us to come to him in prayer with this. Yeah. He is big enough to handle this. You know, if, if one of my kids came to me saying this kind of stuff, I have to tell you, I think I'd probably be livid. I'd get upset. We'd start having a yelling match because I don't know that I am healthy enough to handle this all the time. If you came into the office one day saying these kinds of things to me, I mean, it'd be like blow up. We'd be in trouble because I don't know that I'm healthy enough and, and, and psychologically and spiritually strong enough to deal with this kind of thing from people that I love and care about and have done so much for. But God, he, it's, it's not that we're just allowed, but sometimes this is where we are. And, and he it, takes it. It is remarkable to me that the psalmist will go ahead and, and pin this to sing it to God or pray it to God. Because I, I think that there'd be a lot of people that if, if this is their situation, in their mind, they've just done everything right and faithful, all they could, and look at the terrible events that have happened anyway, they'd say, well, who needs this God then? But they and, keep and just walk away from him. But the psalmist keeps praying. The psalmist keeps singing. That's the, the other psalmist side of does this not turn away from God. We've got we've got a psalmist who continues to pray, even though this is what he feels like. And we've mm-hmm. got a God that listens and mm-hmm. and actually lets this be an inspired yeah. prayer of worship. Yeah, and we can see it today. Mm-hmm. I sure hope that neither you nor I, nor anyone who's listening today, is feeling what these folks are feeling. But wow, how amazing it is that if you are. God has words for you to bring to him and let him work through it with us. If you're having this kind of a day, a week, month, or year, why don't you let us know? We'd love to pray with you as well. You can send a message to us, Talk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's go ahead and wrap up with a prayer ourselves. Holy God, you are magnificent and awesome. We love you and we praise you. And we have days where we don't understand what's going on. May we always bring those to you. May we not hide because we're angry or sad or despairing, but may we bring that to you with with a ridiculous amount of candor and honesty because we know that you're big enough to handle it, and we know that you're the one that will work us through it. And so we pray, Father, that we can always bring to you everything that's in our heart and our mind that we're facing. And we know, Lord God, we, we know as we're sitting here in our quiet office and studio, we know we're going to get to other Psalms that show that you did respond and you did react. And so we take comfort in that. But in those moments when we're in the midst of this kind of kind of experience, help us to always, like these psalmists, come to you. And thank you for listening when we do. Through your son Jesus, we offer up this prayer. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.